You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. The preacher was so awesome, he asked me to preach this Sunday, last Sunday during the announcement. Y'all remember that? <laughs> I'm sitting there getting ready to do the welcome. I normally come up and do the little welcome. And so I'm looking up a verse, but I hear him say, Brother Butch, and something about next Sunday, but I didn't really hear what he said. So I'm like, and then a few people clapped, and, and he was like, next Sunday, right? And so I'm like, yeah, sure. What did he just ask me to do? That's scary with preacher, amen? <laughs> Scariest thing in the world is when he comes up to you, if he ever comes up to you and, do, and does this, and if, he ever, and if he ever says, here's the deal, run. <laughs> run, church. If he ever says, here's the deal, that either meant for me, that means, man, I'm not going to be here Sunday, would you preach? That's the first thing it means. Okay, but for you, I don't know what that means. Just run. So no, I, I'm just teasing. I, I told preacher a long time ago, I'm thankful <clears throat> every opportunity he gives me. I used to pastor a church in Mississippi and and I miss those days at times, but I know I'm where God wants me. And it's an honor every now and then just to open God's Word with you. Because you folks are easy to preach to. I have to say that too. In First Peter chapter 5, Peter here gives us a passage dealing with our spirit. Now, we, we refer to that today in our culture as our attitude. But the Bible usually refers to our attitude as our spirit. And so I want to look at that today. And I want you to, before we get into this message, examine your life today and ask yourself, how's my spirit? How's my attitude? Because we're going to learn today there's going to be times when it's not good. Amen? We've got to be honest. Amen? One thing preachers done in the last few years, man, we're just honest. And I want you all to know there's times mine ain't good. But how's your spirit today? I believe Peter, because, hey, this sermon... That pre this series he just finished up about the wonder. I told the early service as I was looking into this passage this week. Maybe, maybe the most important part of that series is when they do, when they do return, our spirit needs to be right. Amen. Does anybody before I get going? Does anybody need a worship guide? Thank you, ushers. I forget that every time. Got a few. Keep your hands up. Let's get these these uh, worship guides in your hands. That'll help you follow along some. I, I'm not as smooth as a preacher on these worship guides. Amen. If I forget a line or a point, just write something in there. It don't matter to me. Amen. Just write something in there. How's your attitude today? 1 Peter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God. Peter here is, is speaking to the elders, the pastors, church leadership, if you would. But hold on, it applies to everybody. But he's telling the elders to feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, 
but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, there's something in here for you young folks today too. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I believe Peter here gives us some insight into the importance of our spirit and our attitude. If I were to ask you today, how's your attitude? How's your spirit today? How would you respond? Hey, what if I ask your spouse how your attitude was? Would I get two different answers? What if I ask your kids, how's mom's attitude today? How's dad's attitude? Hey, it's something to think about. Because like I said earlier, before I get deep into this message, I'm not here to say anybody's perfect. I think God teaches us there's going to be times we have to reset our attitudes. Amen? How's your attitude today? When you got up this morning, hey... When you got up this morning, did you say, Good morning, Lord? Or did you say, Good Lord, it's morning? <laughs> so, which one did you say? Some of y'all ain't morning people, I can tell. Amen. How's your attitude? I'm just having a little fun with that. Peter here addressing the elders, and no doubt there were pastors and church leadership in, in this passage giving them, I believe, some instructions and examples of the attitude or spirit that we should possess as a believer. And let me say, this ain't in your foundation. There ought to be a difference between ours and the world's. Amen? I think one of the dangers today in our culture is it's getting harder and harder to tell the difference between God's people and the world's crowd. Amen? Let's just say it. There ought to be a difference. And hey, it's much more. I'm, I'm past all this stuff of how we ought to dress perfectly and everything ought to be perfect on the outside. Preacher talked about the perfect haircut and all that junk. Hey, I'm talking about what's on the inside. And I got news for you, church. Hey, if we're right on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside. I grew up in that stuff where everything was right on the outside and nothing was right on the inside. God help us today. If we get our spirit right, if we get our attitude right, hey, if we get right on the inside, it'll show up on the outside, Brother Porter. Amen? God help us to realize that today. How's your spirit? How's your spirit? I said this earlier. You're not going to always have a perfect attitude. I just want to clear the air. Uh, nobody's perfect. We're not always going to have a right attitude. When do you get a bad attitude? Let's just clear the air on this, and we'll talk about how to get a good one. I get a bad attitude when I drive, amen? 
Has anybody else got a backseat driver in the car with them? God help us. My wife, and I'm going to brag on my wife later, but backseat, God help, Brother Doug too. Backseat driver. I'm, I threw my GPS away a long time ago. I don't need two women telling me what to do, amen? I got, I, hey, I got Sonya Garman. Turn left. Turn right. You're going too fast. Where are you going? Why are you going so slow? God, help us. Now, the good thing for me, the good thing for me is it only lasts about a minute because a car is like a tranquilizer to my wife. Man, after a minute, she's gone. <laughs> Hallelujah for the car. Amen. The car puts her out, man. But that, hey, she gets in an hour's worth in one minute. Then I turn GPS on and let that woman tell me what to do. Amen? Just all the time, women telling me what to do. God help. Right spirit. Do you have a right spirit today? I'm glad we can have fun in church. Amen? One thing about it as we get into it, and, and we're going to read a, a foundational verse here and get going. I, I've learned this because we all have bad attitudes from time to time, but listen, church, the danger is, is when we allow it to linger. You're going to have those moments where you get frustrated or angry or mean. Just don't let it linger. I, I'm learning more. I, the more I study the Bible, that's what God teaches about a lot of things. When we have shallow faith, and I have it at times, that's okay. God pointed out to me in His Word that Mary and Joseph both were scared when, when God told them what was going to happen to them. They doubted, but they didn't let it linger. When it comes to our attitude, if you have trouble with that, just don't let it linger. Learn to get over it, amen? I think that's important. In Psalm, as a, as a foundational verse, in Psalm uh, chapter 51, when David had, had sinned with, with Bathsheba, if we can get those verses up there, I may have them here. There we go. Create in me, David said this after he had sinned, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a what, church? A right Spirit within me. Verse 11, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wow. we got to be careful with this thing of a wrong spirit. God's presence, hey, you can be saved just like I'm saved. Don't mean you're going to have His presence in your life. I believe we've got a lot of believers today don't have no Holy Spirit on them no more. No presence of God. He said, you better get your spirit right. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I'm encouraged by that because if David, a man after God's own heart, needed a right spirit to be renewed, then I know I do from time to time too. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you just need a, a better spirit. Your foundational thoughts are this. Number one in your notes, our spirit is our inner person from which flows our attitude and emotions. It is a picture of our heart. Eventually, your spirit's going to show up in how you act and how you behave. 
It's, it's who you are on the inside. Sometimes who we are on the inside is different than who we are on the outside. How's your spirit today? How are you feeling on the inside? How is it today? Your second foundational note is this. A right spirit has to be renewed and even reset from time to time. If I could challenge the church today here at Gospel Light today, it would be to examine your attitude, examine your, your spirit today, church, and, and ask yourself, do I need a reset? Do I need to be like David and ask God to renew a right spirit within me? Because I'm going to tell you something. After this series, the preachers preached on the wonder. Hey, when they come back to Gospel Light, and they're coming back. Y'all believe that? I, I've got a son who's, who's 10 years into addiction. And, and hey, more than ever now, I believe he's going to come back one day. And, and hey, maybe the most important thing when he comes back is not just his spirit, but mine. Our churches. We got to make sure when they come back that they come back to a right spirit. Amen. I'll speak more about that in just a moment, but that wanderer series has been on my heart because I've got one. I've been one. And y'all pray for us and pray for my don't quit praying. I believe more than ever he's coming back. He's coming back. So how do we maintain preacher how do we how do we maintain a right spirit? Well, it ain't easy. You know, I've learned something as a believer and preaching all these years. This stuff ain't easy, amen? I'm learning more and more, Joe. I, I prayed it. If you really want to walk with God, it's going to cost you something. If, hey, there's reproach with getting close to Jesus. We like it easy. Hey, we, we like comfortable. We don't like to get out of our comfort zone, but I am learning more and more every day. That, that if I want to walk with God and be close to God and get close to God and have that, that, that special relationship with Jesus, hey, it's not easy. That's why most people don't have it. But I want a right spirit. But it ain't easy. So, so what does he say? Well, in verse 1, Peter said, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker. Peter starts out this message right out of the gate. He says, hey guys, hey you other preachers, hey you other believers, just like I'm telling you, hey, hey, we're in this thing together, amen? He, he starts out, number one, he says, be an exhorter. Be an exhorter. He said, I'm going to exhort you today, guys. Hey, one of my goals today in this message is to exhort you, to try to motivate you. And by the way, let me say this. He's not here right now, but our pastor's good at this one. Amen? My, my preacher, my, I know it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And preacher would say that. He would tell me to be careful to say that. I know it's the Holy Spirit that works in my heart and, and moves me, but, but my pastor, and, and the Bible tells us, we'll look at it in a minute, motivation and ex exhortation is a gift. And he has that one. He motivates me to, to have a right spirit. He motivates me to do right. He, he motivates me to want to have a closer walk with God. Right out of, of the gate here, Peter exhorts the other elders. He, he identified with them. He said, hey, I'm also an elder. I'm in this thing with you. He encourages them with his words. He starts out by, by just telling them, hey, let's make sure our words are right. Hey, exhortation is about a couple of things. 
Number one, it's about, it's about being nice. Amen? Let's just be nice. Let's say nice things, positive things. We live in a negative world. You can watch five minutes of television and it's all pessimistic. Where's the salt today that'll come out to our culture and to our city? Where's the teenagers today that'll, that'll touch our city with a positive, overall optimistic view of God? Be careful at work, folks, about getting into those negative conversations, about falling into those negative traps and those pessimistic views. Hey, it's high time for God's people to rise up and put on a testimony of optimism, of hope. Amen. My son needs somebody to do that. A right spirit. I'm going to tell you something. The problem with our world today is not the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the church. God give us a right spirit. Peter's trying to exhort them. Saying the right thing, saying saying nice things, it also involves saying the right things. <clears throat> we got to learn to say the right things. And this is this ain't even the no, it ain't even my notes really, but I want to say this as a pastor because I pastored. And be careful, church. I'm not saying anybody does this, but because I can say this because he ain't here. It's okay to share your problems with our pastor. But don't do it right before he preaches. Amen? That's just some counsel. Don't, don't come up and share a bunch of negative stuff with him right before he preaches. Can I get a witness on that one? Pray for him, love him. Hey, undergird him before the throne of God. And in counseling sessions, hey, share all the stuff you want to share. But, but the devil will use that to quench the Spirit of God in the church. Man of God gets up and he's already burdened down with the whole weight of the church sometimes. Then he tries to preach an exhortation. Now our preacher's good at that one, but that's just some advice. That's just some advice. Being an exhorter starts with what we say. When the wonders come back to gospelite church, hey, they're coming back. I believe that. Hey, when they come back, let's make sure that they hear the right thing. Amen? Let's make sure, you know, in all those messages he preached, there was celebration when the wanderer came back. Amen? There was joy. People were glad. Hey, nowhere in those stories did the wanderer come back and someone say, well, it's about time. Amen? I've been in churches where that's happened. Well, where have you been? It's about time. Well, I figured they'd get out of that pig pen eventually. I've seen it. I'm going to tell you, when the wanderer comes back, we need to celebrate, not judge. I've learned something. Let me tell you something this morning. There are times to admonish. Scripture even teaches there's times to rebuke. But we've got to be careful and not try to play the role of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When the wanderer returns, we're to celebrate. That's what God tells us to do. And we need to let Him do the convicting. Amen? We need to let the Holy Spirit do His job, and God says, you do your job. And our job is to celebrate and to exhort and to edify and to lift up, yes, 
there's a time for the preacher to get up and preach truth. But it's still God's job to convict you and draw you to a place of repentance and draw you and humble you. It's God's job to do that, not mine. Yet I've seen too many times in my own life when I've tried to convict my son. I've tried to criticize. I've tried to be his judge. And I'm going to tell you something, it just makes things worse. God, help me to celebrate when my son returns. Don't ruin it. Well, we ruin it sometimes, don't we? Don't ruin it. Have a right spirit, church. Have a right spirit. I think I'm really doing some preventative preaching today because I, I told preacher when I was sharing some of this with him, I said, I really feel like this thing of exhortation and love and edification... I really think that's a strength of our church. I do. But we're not perfect. And God, no doubt, can speak some of this into someone here today. Because I'm going to tell you something. A good spirit is more than just saying, well, my attitude's not bad. Well, exhortation is a lot more than just being able to say that. Amen? It's about what are you doing to motivate? What are you doing to encourage? What are you saying? Are you saying the nice things? Are you saying the right things? In your notes, be an exhorter. Your first point is this. The Greek word for exhortation, and good luck pronouncing that. Amen. But I looked that up because I love the definition. It means a calling out for. It's more than just encouraging words. It is the ability to motivate people to reach their potential. The word exhortation in the Greek is a word that, that means you and I have the ability if we learn how to properly and scripturally exhort others, if we're doing it right, we have the ability to motivate them to reach their potential for God. Wow! Amen? The question is, are we doing that? See, a lot of times we think, well, exhortation is just being nice. Well, it is, but it's a lot more than that. It's about helping others reach their potential. And when I think about my own life, I think about, wow, how many times have I dropped the ball there? I know there are times we have to admonish, but God help us to grow spiritually to a point that we know how to exhort. Maybe some of you today would say, I want to learn how to exhort. You know what our kids need? Yes, they need admonishing. Yes, at times they need rebuke. But they need exhortation. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be transparent just like our preacher is. I made a lot of mistakes with my oldest son. I forced him to go to church, even after he got older. I shamed him. I shamed him when he, when he messed up. I let him know it. I'm going to tell you something about the wonder that I've learned, and God's humbled me, and that's going to be my next point. But, but listen, you don't have to tell them they're doing wrong. They already know it. You ain't got to tell them, Christian. My son didn't, me to, didn't need me to tell him that he was living like the devil, he knows it. Amen? 
God showed me that. He said, you don't need to tell him. You just do what I tell you to do and, and be the example you need to be and, and set an example. He used the word example. You don't have to rebuke him, not constantly. God give us today a right spirit by giving us a good balance with our children when it comes to admonishing and exhorting. I think there's got to be a good balance there, church. And I think sometimes we get out of balance. You know, we're about here, people say this, well, I, I, I get on my kids, but nobody else better. Well, if the church needs to exhort your kids, you need to exhort them too. Are we saying the right things to our children? Do we have good balance? Our kids need it all. They need all that. What about you? Who in your life has exhorted you? Who's exhorted you? I, one of the key players in my life is my mother. She's 82 now. She's got early signs of all. She's got dementia. And it's kind of fun, actually. I mean, not being mean about it. I'm just saying, man, we mess with her all the time now. And she still knows us, but, but she forgets everything she says. But my mother was an exhorter for me. She, she wasn't just a kind person. She motivated me to reach my potential. Who's done that for you? I, I think of every, every time in my life that, that I've dropped the ball or made a mistake. And I remember when I dropped out of college and I was living like the devil. Even when I was wrong, get this one, because I didn't do this with my son. Even when I was wrong, I remember my mother sitting down in front of me and, and grabbing my face and saying, hey, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I still believe in you. And I need to, I, my son needs to hear that from me. You see, you, I've, I've learned. God uses this stuff to break you down. I, I've learned you don't have to compromise to still let people know you believe in them. I used to think I had to compromise. You don't have to do that. And when my mama told me that, you know what happened? She lifted my spirit. She, Hey, I went in there depressed, thinking she was going to be angry and disappointed and, and just, woe is me, son. What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? And she's told me that sometimes too, amen. But when I needed it the most, she said, I believe in you. There's going to be some breaking points in your kid's life. Boy, this is hard stuff. There's going to be some critical times when they need it the most and you better say the right thing. There's going to be some breaking points and when you're only going to get one chance to say the right thing. Don't miss it. How do we do it? Well, you better maintain a right spirit. You've got to maintain a right spirit. Your other points under point number one, as a believer... Exhortation should be founded in what we've seen and the promise of what we will see. And then the last one is exhortation is a spiritual gift. The ability to lift someone's spirit is supernatural. That's in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And for the sake of time, we won't read that. But church, how is your spirit today? How's your attitude? Are you encouraging others to live for Jesus? Are you encouraging others 
to do what's right. Mom and dad, are we exhorting our children to grow in their daily relationship with Jesus? Are we doing that? Number two. What else helps us? Boy, I'm glad I can't see that clock, Brother Nate. Good night. We're in trouble today. Number two. What does he say in verse two? Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but how? Someone tell me how. Willingly. I think a right spirit is a willing spirit. Amen? Just doing things willingly. We live in a culture today, church, listen to me. We, we live in a culture today where, where sometimes, hey, it's hard. It's hard to get people to do what they need to do because you almost have to beg them. God help us today to have a willing spirit once again. And again, I, allow me to do a little preventative preaching because I, for the most part, I see a lot of that around gospel light. Willing service. It's a beautiful thing. Peter encourages the elders. Hey, the preacher's here. He tells them as they feed the flock, he said, hey guys, as you feed the flock, as you minister to your people, hey, do it as you serve, as you give, as you sacrifice. One thing I want to make sure we're doing is we're doing it because we want to. Amen? Let's do it willingly. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. When you start serving God, hey, I know there's even Scripture that says sometimes we just have to do things out of duty, but when you quit serving God willingly, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your stamina. If you're here today and you don't want to be here, you're probably not going to get much. Amen? God help us to do it willingly. I'm going to tell you, doing things willingly changes everything about how you feel about something. You know what? When you do things willingly, it changes everything about how you feel about it. Your relationship with God will go to a new level when you start serving Him with a willing spirit. A willing spirit is a right spirit. Jesus gives us the greatest example of a willing spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Our Savior. If you really want to know what it means to serve God willingly, then look at Christ. Jesus, as He made His way to Calvary and bled in the Garden of Gethsemane and worked His way to redemption's plan, even though the Bible says, He said, Father, if there be any other way, not my will, but Thy will, God. Jesus willingly, and by the way, I, and I'm not criticizing anybody today. A, a lot of preachers will use the word, you know, the day he was murdered or killed. Let me tell you something. There wasn't no killing that day. It was a willing sacrifice. Jesus, hey, even though he said, let this cup pass from me, eventually he was a willing sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. God help us to realize today the price the cost of my sin 
the price of my sin. And God, forgive me today when I serve God with a lethargic spirit or go because I have to or well, they're expecting it. God, give me back a spirit today of willing service because of the cost of my sin. Are you doing it willingly? Boy, it's easy to get in a rut, ain't it? And just start going through the motions. I want to serve Him willingly. I wrote this down. Jesus died for me willingly. God helped me to live for Him willingly. We got the best end of that deal, didn't we? A willing spirit doesn't always mean it's going to be fun. It wasn't fun for Jesus, the price He paid, but He did it anyway. It doesn't always mean it's going to be easy, but He did it anyway. I'm telling you, church, one of the things I'm concerned about our our children growing up today, my grandchildren growing up, is is most most of them are pretty spoiled, amen? And I love it. But, but I want them to understand. I want Logan to understand. I want Landon to understand. Hey, listen to me, kids. Hey, if you really make up your mind to serve and live for God and, and do what's right, it's going to be hard. Now, you can have joy and experience victory, and it's awesome, but we're kidding ourselves if we're painting a picture to our kids that this thing of living for Jesus is the easiest thing in the world. I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is free, and the plan of salvation is simple, but it's not easy to get saved, and it's not easy to live for God sometimes. And I'm going to tell you one of the keys to it is just doing it willingly. Just trying to keep that spirit of God, I'm going to do this because I want to. God, help me to maintain a spirit of wanting to not to get into the habit of, uh, or the rut of doing it out of duty, but because I want to, God. And when it's not fun, and when it's not easy, help me to stay willing in my spirit. Because there's going to be times it's not going to be fun, and it's not going to be easy. There's going to be times you're not going to look forward to it. But you still ought to be willing. Jesus did not look forward to the cross. Hey, He said, if there be any other way. But then He said... But thy will, God, not mine. When our will becomes His, boy, is when we learn to serve willingly. And then God gave Him His will. God, forgive us when we serve half-heartedly or with a low commitment or forget the price of our sin. But help us to serve willingly, Lord, because we want to. A willing spirit says it's a privilege to come to church. Amen? A willing spirit says, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be fed spiritually in the house of God. A willing spirit says, Lord, it's a blessing to come today and to pray. It's an honor day to serve you, God. Boy, God help us when we have to beg people to do things for the church or for God. Your notes for serving God willingly are this, and this is what he says. He says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. What does it mean to serve God willingly? Number one, he says, not by constraint. This refers to our attitude. What I just preached about. Not by constraint, guys. 
He's saying, hey guys, not by constraint. I don't want to have to force y'all to do this. Do it because you love Jesus. Do it because it's right. Do it. Learn to do it. Hey, I'm going to tell you, this stuff of serving God willingly, it, it's a mark of a mature Christian. And a lot of us need to grow some. Amen? I know I do. It's a mark of maturity. He's talking to the elders here. Number two, not for filthy lucre. This refers to the wrong motive. The wrong motive. Well, I'm going to do it, but I expect something in return. Amen? I'm going to do it, but I expect this. We ought to just do it no matter what happens and not expect anything in return. You know, I'm learning the older I get, God help me to serve you willingly. And I know God will bless faithfulness. He always does. But I want to get to the point to where I'm doing things willingly and with great joy, even when I'm not experiencing God's blessings. See, we want something in return. God help us just to do it because we love Him, whether we get anything or not. Amen? We owe it to Him. Number three, but of a ready mind. How do you serve God willingly? Not by constraint, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, he says. This refers to a prepared mind and a prepared heart. Prepared. Man, you study the Old Testament very long. When they came to worship, there was great preparation. I mean, sacrifice was made. Men prayed. People were prepared to meet with God. And I know we live under grace, but are we prepared? Are we a prepared people? How many of you prayed this week for the service? How many of you spent time this week asking God to save a lost soul? How many of you spent time this week saying, God, prepare my heart for Sunday? I just feel like sometimes we treat God's work like it's our career. We just show up. We treat God's work when the fact is, this is supposed to be a very reverential time. This is, this is supposed to be a sacred time. I still believe that. This hour on Sunday to me is sacred. Amen? This is a time when God does His work. Are we prepared what would happen to our city if we didn't have to come to church to get prepared, but we came prepared? What would happen to our city if we didn't have to come to church just to get motivated, but we came motivated? Amen? I think God changed our life and changed our city. I think preachers today spend way too much time just trying to keep people excited. What would happen if we came excited and prepared? I think a willing spirit is someone who's prepared. This stuff takes preparation. It takes an investment. I'm telling you, church, the Christian life takes an investment. Some people ain't paying it. Number three, did I give you all the notes for number two? Number three, humble yourself before God. And I'm going to go through these last two rather quickly, but they're important. Humble yourself before God. Two times in this passage, Peter says, 
Hey, be clothed with humility and humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Peter reminds the people here today, and he's speaking to the church now, that the key to maintaining a right spirit is to remain humble. One of the, hey, in all the messages preacher preached about the wonder, remember they had to be humbled. The prodigal, the pig pen humbled him, didn't it? Samson, when he got that haircut in the devil's barber shop, amen, he got humbled. Hey, they had to be humbled, and then what happened? Then they were brought back up. I'm not even sure if it's in your notes, but one of the things we've got to learn as a believer in our walk with God is this thing of humility is kind of like our spirit. We have to do a reset every now and then. Let me give you the definition in your notes. Humility is not low self-esteem of who we are, but a proper understanding of who God is. That's what real humility is. Humility is an exalted view of God and an abased view of ourself. It's not low self-esteem. It's just an exalted view of God. And in light of that, we understand who He is and who we are. Do you have that today? Humility is still required before God can do something great in your life. Point number two. Humility always comes before spiritual power. We must go down before we can go up. In all those sermons he preached, they had to go down, didn't they? And then they went up. Some of y'all may be wondering why you're, where you're at today. Maybe you need to be humbled. Maybe you need to be humbled before God. I don't, and by the way, God uses all kind of stuff to humble us. I mentioned my son's addiction. I'm going to tell you something God's done in that. And it wasn't God's will for my son to fall into addiction. But God said, well, since he's there, I'm going to use it to humble you. God will allow things to come into your life to humble you. Amen. And he knows how to do it. I'm going to tell you, he's given me a level of humility I've never known. And let me tell you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because you know what it does? It forces me to rely on him. Amen. Humility will force you to rely on God. Maybe some of y'all just need a good dose of humility today. It's still required, Proverbs said, before honor comes humility. Hey, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, the Bible says, If my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Hey, what's interesting about that verse, he said, Hey, before you pray, before you turn from your wicked ways, before you do all that stuff, the first thing you've got to do is humble yourself before me. If you don't humble yourself, I don't think any of the other stuff matters. i got news for you. When we enter into the presence of God, there's not going to be no high-fiving. We're going to fall on our face. That's what Revelation teaches. Revelation teaches that the four and twenty elders today are bowed down with golden candles and offerings, and they're saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain for our sin. Worthy is the Lamb that paid the price for my wretchedness. Worthy is Jesus. God, help me to be humble. 
Worthy is the Lamb. God, forgive me when I have a bad attitude. God, forgive me when I serve you with pride in my life. God, forgive me when I have a bad spirit. God, keep me humble because we're nothing without God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And they're still saying it today. I believe Dr. Graham is saying it too, amen. Someone said, what's Billy Graham doing today? I said, he's on his knees and he's saying, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. I just want to learn how to do that in this life and not just experience it for the first time when I see him, amen. Are you humble today? You see, I grew up in churches and I've seen cases where pride set in and too much attention was given to men amen this ain't about and preacher is great at this this ain't about me or preacher this is about God but I grew up seeing some of that where too much attention was given to the man preaching instead of the one we're preaching about I got news for you church Bible is very clear. God hates pride. He hates a proud look. He hates a haughty spirit. He doesn't say, I don't like it. He said, I hate it. He don't say that. Hey, I think Proverbs say there's only six sins that God says he hates. Some of them he'll deal with and he'll work with. So they're all against him. But there's a few of them that he said, I hate them. And one of them's pride. And by the way, it's not just a prideful in behavior. He said, I hate a proud look. Amen? Don't even look like you're full of pride. Have you ever seen it? I have. He said, I hate a haughty spirit. God, reduce me. Help me to learn to be abased and humble in my life. His power will not coexist with pride. And today, it will be a humble spirit that will be blessed and filled and sustained in our trials. God doesn't owe me anything, yet He died for me, and this should humble me. I remember the first time I was humbled, and I got one more point. I think it's right at noon or a little after. What time we usually finish? Anybody know? Right now? God, help us. I don't know if y'all are lying or telling me the truth now, amen? I remember the first time I was humbled. I spent one summer, I was about 16 or 17. My dad worked for a bakery. And I wanted to earn some money. He said, well, work with me this week. I was out of school summertime. My daddy got me out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. That was the first problem, amen? For a teenager, God help. All I remember is about quarter to three, he was shaking me saying, let's go, boy. Yes, sir. I didn't mess with my daddy. I told you, my daddy was not, a, he was born during the Great Depression. He was not affectionate. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that, amen? So I got up and got ready. We worked. We didn't get home till 7 o'clock that night. Man, I was at, I used to wonder, why does my daddy come home at night and sit in that chair and he's asleep before I can even say hello to him? We did that every day. At the end of the, the I'm going to tell you, at the end of the first week, that humbled me. That's the first time I can remember being humbled. 
And I told my daddy, I remember going into his bedroom and said, Hey, Daddy, I owe you an apology. He said, What are you talking about? I said, Well, the hardest working man in the world lived in my house, and I didn't even know it, and I certainly didn't appreciate it. I was humbled. I was humbled the first time I stood at Arlington National Cemetery and saw those white crosses. You can see it on the TV all you want. When you stand there, when me and my wife stood there, and I saw those fields lined with those crosses and that little plaque of a grandfather and a grandson that said, Son, this is what freedom cost. That humbled me. You see, I've learned I'm humbled when I realized the price that was paid for my benefit. So what Jesus done for me should humble me. God help us when it gets too common. We just go through the motions. God help it to humble us. Maybe some need a right spirit today by just asking God to give them a new level of humility. C.S. Lewis said this, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on others, while a humble man is always looking up to God. Lastly today, and we'll be done, and I'm just going to read you the notes on this one, say a word, and we're out of here. Number four, resist the devil. How do we have a right spirit, preacher? Well, you need to learn how to exhort. You need to learn how to motivate people to do right you need to do it willingly you need to learn to do it willingly you need humility in your life all these things Peter says will help you maintain a right spirit and then lastly he says something real interesting he says resist the devil verses 8 and 9 he said man the, uh, be sober be vigilant you got an adversary named the devil who wants to destroy you whom resist I grew up in churches where I was told, you're no match for the devil. You can't handle the devil. That's not scriptural. I know the devil's got power, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Hey, I bear to differ. Listen to me this morning. I say, I want our young people to know, hey, the devil is a formidable opponent. But I say, greater is he that is in you. I say, if you're walking with God and you're having your devotions and you've got a prayer life and you learn how to develop humility and you learn how to serve God willingly, I say the devil's no match for you. I want our kids to know that. They can live a victorious Christian life. When they look at my life, do they believe that? Willingness. Resisting the devil. It ain't easy. How do you resist the devil? Well, he gives us three things and we're done. The devil seeks to destroy. He is a thief and a killer. And your notes under that are this. Three ways to resist the devil. We can defeat the devil in this life. Number one is through steadfastness. He says in verse 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. And I got in your, in your parentheses there, overall consistent spiritual walk. We are not perfect. You're not going to live a sinless life. I know the more I study God's Word, what God is trying to teach me is the importance of overall consistent Christian living. Amen. Just consistency. And when you do mess up, get back up 
ask forgiveness, apologize, say you're sorry, and then be consistent again. Overall consistency, resist the devil. That's what he's saying. Whom resist how? Steadfast in the faith. Be consistent. Number two, your faith. Trusting God in our sufferings. Knowing that, the, he said, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Trusting God in our sufferings, our faith. If I learn to trust God in my sufferings, if I learn to trust God in my son's addiction, it'll resist the devil. That's good. If we'll quit complaining about our sufferings and start trusting God, he said, it'll push back on the devil. Some of us, the devil's having a heyday in our life, and it's because we don't have any faith and we're not consistent. This is good stuff here. Some of y'all need to say, hey, from here on, I'm going to work on this thing of consistency. I, this thing of faithfulness. Being consistent. Your kids need that. They need that. And then lastly, he said this, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Not only your faith, but the faith of others. Always remember, someone is watching your faith. Some of your faith. How have I gotten through this addiction with my son? Well, I've gotten through it, no doubt, by number one, God. And God's grown my faith. But I will say, I've also gotten through it because of your faith. My, my wife's had more faith than I've had with my son. Her faith has helped me have more faith. Some of y'all, I think about Jamie, Karina. Some, some of y'all that's lost loved ones unexpectedly, Tiffany. Some of y'all that's had a major loss, and yet you're still serving God. You're still faithful. That helps my faith. The same afflictions that are in the world, he said, with all your brothers and sisters, hey, learn how to lean on those, and it'll resist the devil. Don't ever think that your faith's not making a difference. Sometimes it may not be making a difference in your life, but it might be making one in mine. How do we have a good spirit? We've got to exhort. We've got to be willing. We've got to stay humble. And we've got to resist the devil. Not easy. But we can do it, church. And when the wanderer comes back, if we're living that way, we're going to welcome him. He's going to be like, wow, these people love me. They're not going to judge me. We're going to help him grow. We're going to help her. Hey, we're going to help her move forward. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. A right spirit. How's your attitude today, church? How's your spirit? Is it right? Is your spirit right today? Is there something you need to work on? With heads bowed and eyes closed. What about you today? Maybe if you're honest, you'd say, you know what, I just, I need to learn how to exhort, preacher. I, I want to learn how to help others reach their potential. 
I want to learn how to exhort my children properly. I want that balance between admonition and exhortation. I want to get that right. When that when those breaking points come and my kids need exhortation, God help me to get it right. Maybe some would say, Preacher, the fact of the matter is, I need more humility in my life. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing God a favor when I give or go to church or God give me humility. Maybe you just need to say, I need to start doing it willingly. Willing service from here on out. That's the way it's going to be. Not going to be fun. Not going to be easy sometimes, but I'm doing it. What about resisting the devil? Hey, how's God spoken to you? If you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, come today. Brother Doug and I would be glad to take the Bible. You say, what do I need to do to be saved? Well, if the Lord's dealing with you, all you got to do is come forward and ask Him to save you. Amen? If that's you, come today. If God spoke to you, Christian, in any way, hey, I think it's important that we use these altars. Some have already come. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Let's all stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter giving us some insight into how we should live. Not just what we should do, but how our attitude should be. How we should be exhorters. How we should serve you willingly. How we, God, should have humility in our life so that when the wanderers come, there will be a spirit of exhortation waiting on them, not of judgment. Bless this invitation. If there's lost here, save the lost. And we'll give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Some have come. What about you as we sing?